Let us pray together. Open our hearts, our minds, our very spirits to your movement among us now, O God. With gratitude, we give thanks for this gathered For those online, across our land, we give thanks. For the many ways you're working among us, we give thanks. And now with anticipation, we pray, inspire us, move us, allow us to leave from this place, ready to be your channels of blessing in our world. In the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and other books over the years, declared one of those principles of highly effective people to be celebrate the small victories. So let's take a moment. Churches don't do this very well. We stay very busy and we accomplish something and then run quickly on to the next thing. I want to take a quick moment and celebrate a small victory and thank Guy for his good words in reminding us several things. One of the things we can celebrate, one of the many things we can celebrate, is for the first time in a long, long time, we in our fellowship not only met our budget this year, but surpassed our budget by $12,700. That is more than just a small victory. And thank you for your generosity and the many ways that you have contributed to the mission of this church. I want to thank Guy for his good words, and it, it struck me when, when he mentioned the fact that he's been here for 85 years out of 160. That's over half the life of this church, which is even more miraculous since he's only 59 years old. So thank you for your good words and the powerful reminders, not only of the gift of being a part of a fellowship, but the responsibility, the obligation, the mission of being in this community and standing on the shoulders of giants that have gone before us. It is Epiphany Sunday, and the title of our sermon, Aha Moments. Have you ever had an aha moment? A lot of these aha moments depend on how you, uh, well, the tone you use. Aha! Or, aha. Aha. It depends on perspective and on what's being discovered. We'll talk more about that in a moment. For now, let's focus on the positive, the aha. One of the first great and perhaps most famous aha moments in history was by this fellow, Archimedes, one of my favorite people in history. Uh, Incredible uh, mathematician and uh, just figured out all kinds of neat stuff. One of the things he's most famous for is this phrase, his aha moment. He declared to his community, what word? Anybody remember? Well, I can't get it to come up. Okay, I'm going to need some help, Rackley. (laughs) There we go. Eureka! His aha moment. It's a Greek word that simply means, I have found it. The discovery. I'm going to need some help, so let's go ahead for some reason, this, uh, there we go. Uh, I found it is the Greek for 
Eureka. What did he find? Well, he was tasked in the little island of Sicily that we call it today, the, the city in those days, Syracusa, or Syracuse. Uh, to, the king was suspicious that maybe his crown wasn't fully gold it was, as it was supposed to be. And the craftsman that crafted it, he was a little worried that maybe he'd been cheated. So he tasked Archimedes with figuring out, was it gold or was it gold tempered with silver, making it less valuable? Suspicion among the king and his entourage that the craftsperson had scurried away with the extra gold. Archimedes figured out how to determine whether this was fully gold or gold with silver mixed in. He did it by water displacement, and it became what was known as the Archimedes principle. Uh, It's this water displacement that later became really important for navies all around the world, and the Archimedes principle is still used for the power that water exerts lifting up and the pressure that whatever is being put in the water is putting into the water. And that Archimedes principle of balancing those two became this eureka moment, this aha moment that all of us have benefited from from that time forward. Well, this was in the third century B.C., an incredibly long time ago, and the insights that Archimedes had contributed to smart people that followed, including the next person we're going to talk about, Eratosthenes. Anybody ever heard of Eratosthenes? Also really cool guy. Archimedes uh, impacted a lot of the things that Eratosthenes would figure out later on, but Eratosthenes was the curator of the library in Alexandria. There are some lists of the seven wonders of the ancient world that include the Library of Alexandria as one of the seven wonders. And Eratosthenes was in charge of this collection of incredible philosophical treaties and all sorts of, of books and parchments and scrolls that had incredible amounts of knowledge from the ancient world housed in this building. And Eratosthenes was in charge of all this. He was the curator, which the word curator actually connects to the word curious. And people from that time and place in Alexandria, Egypt, would talk about the fact that Eratosthenes was actually irritating because he was so curious about so many things. He asked questions and was always interested in finding out more about whatever it was you were talking about. It drove people crazy. One of the things that he was very interested in finding out was the size of the earth. Now, some of you know this. In those days, way back in in 200 B.C., what shape did people think the earth was? Okay, most of us think that people thought the earth was flat. In fact, let me read you what the Bible says from Isaiah chapter 40. You tell me what shape people thought the earth was. This is from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 21. Have you not heard? Have you not known? Has it not been told from you the, to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. What did the author of Isaiah 40 know? What shape was the earth, at least according to his understanding? 
Now, this is 300 years before Eratosthenes. So what Eratosthenes knew was the earth was round, or at least an ellipse. He wanted to know, guess what? How big was it? So he concocted this incredibly uh, complex formula for figuring out the size of the earth, and his estimate came to this. He thought, uh, with the, the geometry that he was using, many from the Pythagorean theorem, Euclidean geometry, and um, things that Archimedes had figured out, he calculated the earth was 24,700 miles around. Anybody know how, with modern instruments today, we figured out the exact size of the earth? Uh, 2,200 years later, what's the exact size? It's 24,902. He was 202 miles off. 200 BC, he figured out the size of the earth. Amazing. It was an aha moment. It took a while to get there, but it started with this innate sense of curiosity. What is the truth here? Well, the fascinating part about the journey that we're on together in a Christian fellowship, but just as human beings, is really epitomized for me in the journey of epiphany. The word epiphany is fascinating. It's a Greek word. It's broken into two, epi and phani. Phani is the word that in uh, the verb form means to shine. It talks about the illumination from light. And the preposition epi put together with phani means to shine around or above. There's a cartoon that many of us see from time to time. When somebody has an epiphany, what's over their head? A light bulb. Well, this is the idea. This is the ancient idea of, boom, I found it. Eureka. There's something I've just discovered. It's an aha moment. So the journey of epiphany for all of us is not just a day on the calendar in the Christian year. It's a part of all the journeys that every one of us has where we make some kind of discovery. There's something that we find in our journey, an aha moment. But the discovery shouldn't stop with that new revelation. Part of the journey of epiphany, part of the journey of life, is to discern what does this now mean for me? I've made a new discovery. What am I supposed to do with this? My father, as a, a pastor growing up, my pastor growing up, as a wise and discerning person, said, when you pray, the most important thing we can pray for is discernment. Discernment. What is it that God is saying to us in this moment, and what am I supposed to do about it? So there is the discovery, these aha moments, there's the discernment that you and I are called to so that we then have a new direction. I love the way the second chapter of Matthew directs us and talks about this uh, movement of these people called the Magi. Their, <laughs> their aha moment was a star in the sky that wasn't supposed to be there. The Magi discovered something in the world had changed. Something in their reality was different. They discovered it. They discerned 
we're called to do something now. What is it we're called to do? Their journey began with the discovery and their movement in the direction of Jesus the Messiah. Your discernment for whatever it is that you have been revealed, whatever has been revealed to you, whatever aha moment you have had or are having, what is the new direction that God is calling you to travel in? There was not just an aha moment for the Magi. Joseph had an aha moment also. With Joseph, the aha moment was not this positive, exciting moment. For Joseph, the aha moment was a revelation through a messenger of God who said, all is not well. Things aren't as they appear. The king is out to harm you and your child. Run for your life. This is very important for us to remember that Jesus, as a baby, started his life on the run. Today, the modern terminology is refugee. Jesus and Joseph and Mary fled from the land where they were living to the land of Egypt. The aha moment was a sad and tragic one, but it was one that was necessary. It was a discovery where the discernment that took place called for a new direction. Run to Egypt. There was another discovery or more discoveries that took place, not just by the Magi and Joseph, but implicit in the text. They go to a new place in Egypt and their families in Egypt who cared for Joseph and Mary and Jesus. The Coptic Christians in Egypt have a very strong ancient tradition, and those of us that got to take the Middle East trip and those of us that went to Egypt this past May were in Cairo, and we got to go to the traditional spot where, in the Coptic Christian tradition, it was the families of that area who cared for Jesus and Joseph and Mary while they were fleeing or after they had fled from Herod and the terror that Herod unleashed in the land of Israel. The families in Egypt made a discovery, and their discernment called on them to be compassionate and caring for somebody who wasn't a part of their community, somebody who had come from a distant place, somebody who maybe didn't even speak their language, and yet they cared for them. The families in Egypt, in some ways there are parallels for we have been a part of this amazing opportunity to share in helping a church in Venitsa, Ukraine, care for refugees fleeing from the fighting in the horrible war that's taking place in the eastern part of Ukraine. The power of this for me is this epiphany, this aha moment for the people of Ukraine at first. On February 22nd of last year, the general consensus among the people in Ukraine is, oh, this fear of war is just silly. The world and the media, they're just making a big deal over nothing. Until on the 23rd of February, missiles started flying and the invasion officially began. And the tragic aha moment was, this is real. This is terrifying. 
What do we do now? And the ongoing aha moment for the rest of the world, in fact, there was an amazing article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago about some Polish people that were being interviewed and the intervention that they have been offering to Ukrainian refugees in Poland. And that part of the, the eastern part of Poland and the western part of U Ukraine have had tensions for the last five to eight decades, major tensions over two world wars and the way people were treated and all kinds of things that took place. Those tensions evaporated, according to these Polish people that were interviewed by the New York Times, saying, when you look in the eyes of a woman and a child fleeing for their lives, you must have a heart of stone if you don't do anything to help. So the Ukrainian crisis has offered an aha moment to people all over the world to first of all recognize the value and power of a democratically elected government, the possibility of being helped by other people who aren't like you and may not speak your language and yet are willing to be compassionate and offer a refuge in difficult time. There have been aha moments for all of us in various ways at various times. But the ongoing question in an Epiphany Sunday like this one is, what about now? What is God saying to you and to me in these moments? It may be a completely different message that you're receiving and I'm receiving, but a discovery is in the process of being made. Discernment is necessary and perhaps a new direction for how we treat one another, how we conduct our affairs, how we interact with the world beyond us, and how we participate in a community of faith that is seeking to do good in a community and beyond. We have an epiphany tradition, and Shelley reminded us this morning in our earlier service at Fresh Start that this is our sixth year of offering Epiphany stars. It's a way of having a tangible direction from our uh, discernment and our discovery and our tangible star that is handed to us, and it will be handed to you. You don't get to dig around in the basket and choose the one you want. It is sort of this idea that there's something sacred about the hand that reaches in one of our pastors and hands you this star, and it's your epiphany word with a Bible verse on the back that we pray will have some significant revelation for you, that there'll be some aha when you see the word that becomes your word on your star for this year. So as a part of our response to the second chapter of Matthew, to the tradition of epiphany, of God's aha moment and the discovery and discernment and new direction we're all called to, we invite you, as the music plays, to come forward. We'll have three stations in the front and a basket that will be traveling up into the balcony. And you'll be handed a star that will be yours for the year, your epiphany star. Let's stand together, and as the Spirit moves, you're invited to simply come forward and receive your star from the basket.